Good, good day to all the parishioners of St. George and Marks and St. Monica's. I trust you all are doing as well as you can under the circumstances, looking after yourselves and your families, and that you have enough provisions to see you through. Um, I, I know that um, one of the things uh, when we get through this by God's grace that you will notice is my hair has grown, grown a whole lot longer uh, because I haven't been to the barber since before the, the uh, lockdown. So changes will happen to all of us. Hopefully we won't become too fat by snacking too much. But this is the order of service for the Holy Week Monday Tuesday and Wednesday, and it has to, I've, we've, uh, Lindsay and I had worked it out that we will do it in the three days, um, uh, breaking up the stations so that each day we have some focus of the stations of the cross. The stations that I'm using um, start, is focused around the scriptural stations, um, and we'll talk about that later, but just to start you off and us off in a sense of worship with the, the words of this in the first verse and you can connect to the tune um, in the link I've given. Sweet the moments, rich in blessing, which before the cross I spend, life and health and peace possessing from the sinner's dying in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, Christ, have mercy. Have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We will glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom is our salvation, our life and resurrection. Let us pray by first holding a moment of silence. Assist us mercifully with your help, O Lord God, of our salvation, that we may enter with joy upon the contemplation of those many acts whereby you have given us life and immortality, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the special Stations of the Cross episodes of St. George's Rod and Staff podcast, the official podcast of St. George the Martyr of Cales River Parish. I am joined as always as he has led us in so beautifully by the Venerable Father Rodney Whiteman. This is now Holy Wednesday's liturgy, dear people, and I hope that you um, have journeyed well in your own discoveries uh, with the stations prior to this. The 11th station, Jesus promises his kingdom to the good thief. We adore your Christ and we bless you because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Our reading is from Luke 23, 39 to 43. And in this part of the narrative, the two criminals are in conversation um, while hanging on either side of Jesus. 
and one is hurling insults at Jesus. And again, um, the question around who is Jesus really? And in the, so this criminal must have been, uh, uh, must have heard the name Messiah, the anointed one that Israel was looking for to liberate them, had obviously, uh, he's obviously heard uh, this attached to Jesus. And it's interesting that his words to Jesus, uh, which was insult, save yourself and us. So it would seem as if the word save is connected to the word Messiah, that the Messiah is the one who will come to save. Um, however, the other criminal um, rebukes um, him. Uh, so right at the stage of their last hours on earth, his question to his, to this other guy was, don't you fear God? And that's an incredible um, statement because the question of the fear of God in all of us has been, um, we've been, we've been shaped and formed into a sense of we need to fear God. And what kind of fear of God was he talking about at this stage? Was it fear as being scared of God? Or is it, don't you stand in awe of God? Um, and why would he say, don't you fear God? Did he see Jesus as God mm. or as representative of God? That he would use that words to rebuke him. And, and, and further, it, it illustrates that he was thinking in that lines when he said, since you are under the same sentence can you imagine mm. being under the same sentence as god and the sentence is death on the cross so um this criminal must have been a very profound theologian <laughs> um that although he, he was caught up in whatever criminality he was caught up in it would seem as if he he was taking in what was going on reflecting on what was being said i mean just before this he heard Jesus pray, Abba, forgive them, for they know not what they did, they're doing. What impression would that have left on his heart? Who really is Jesus if he could pray like that? And here you are showing no respect. Because do you know who's hanging right next to you, in between us? Uh, is it God himself and you? under the same sentence can you imagine that so the depth of those words are things we often don't reflect on when we do the crucifixion because we are far more interested in and, and rightly so in the words of jesus in how jesus managed this and knowing that he did it for us but these stations tell us that jesus came to be part of the whole story of humanity. And in Jesus, we, we, as it were, meet the whole of who God is in all eternity. And yet, we won't be able to fathom that. So, we either hurl insults at God, 
or we fail to fear God in the way of respect and awe. Um, so then he goes on to say, we are punished justly. Was that a confession? I wonder. I'm not moaning about the judgment or the punishment I'm getting because I deserve this. Mm. Because the deeds I did deserves punishment. But this man has done nothing wrong. So what a testimony about Jesus. Um, about someone that probably didn't journey with Jesus, probably heard about Jesus, but never bothered to consider him, and yet he meets Jesus now in this suffering the same sentence he did. And then he says to Jesus, now he turns to Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, the, the word that I always wonder about is the fact that he asked Jesus just to have a thought of him when Jesus was in heaven. It would be it would satisfy his soul just to know that Jesus is thinking about him in Jesus' kingdom. Mm. That if Jesus could just tell him that that is what I'm going to do, then it would satisfy his soul as he's busy dying. And Jesus, the words tell us he goes a little further than that. Right now, today, you will be with me in paradise. And of course... There's lots of interpretations around the word paradise, you know. Um, mm. um, but I think the most important part of Jesus' response is truly, so in truth, yeah. in death, Jesus continued to uphold the truth, to be the truth teller because Jesus is the truth. Um, and so, so that that is the one thing. The second thing is, when I tell you what I tell you, I keep my word. Mm. And thirdly, is you will experience my presence. You will be with me. You will share where I am. You will share in my presence. So those are the are the operative. Of word, what whatever presence Jesus will be in, he's described by the word of paradise, um, the bliss of life, the, yeah. the helping. So, um, it's a very important part of the narrative we have to engage in, because yet again, like Simon of Cyrene, these people represent a part of humanity. Mm. And, and it's therefore part of who we are. Um, I also many of us may not say, may say we're not criminals, and that's understandable. But somehow, there's a solidarity with the human condition mm. across the board. I also see it as like two sides of, of, of the same coin, where on the one hand, you maybe have a person who doesn't, believe in the afterlife and then fears death because death is then the final step in his journey and then ask jesus i can't you save us from this not knowing what he's wanting salvation from and then the other recognizes that there is a a life after this death and then 
asked Jesus to think yes. of him yeah when when they reached that place yeah so yeah you you I think that's a very good point you're making because the one says save us so that from this situation so that I can go back to living on earth yeah wow and um he seemed to have been generous enough to say save yourself and us <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you always have to give the other yeah, person something um, in the deal <laughs> Yeah, and so the and the other one was saying, look, what I have done, I, I want this type of life that I'm living on earth that I seem to have been caught up in. I want mm. it to end. I don't want to live this way anymore. So yes, I deserve my punishment, mm. but I do recognize in you there is a hope for me beyond uh, the, 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 the punishment of death. Yeah. And and if you are the are the one who prays to the Father for forgiveness, then your remembrance of me will be one of mercy. Mm. And so, in the afterlife, uh, the realm of God is engendered by the love and mercy of of God. Mm. Um, if Jesus could, in the place of death, say, "Father, forgive them," then what kind of kingdom would Jesus really have? And that's what he was looking forward to. Just, just really a thought in that kingdom was enough for him. Mm. So, yes, I think we do have the, the sides of two, two coins here. Um, in the human expression, one, let's continue living. And because I know, I, know, I know the life on earth, mm. but I don't know what comes after that. And what I don't know, I'd rather not want to deal with. Yeah. Whereas this man was saying, yes, I want to deal with it. That's a good point you made. Hmm. And so, and so, um, I think that when what comes to the, to the sort of, to the, to, to, to round it off is when Jesus started out his ministry, he, his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here on the cross, a criminal is responding to the good news in Jesus. That the gospel calls to repentance and so I, I deserve my punishment because mm. of the deeds I did. Um, and also the kingdom is the kingdom of the grace of the good news of God's grace and mercy upon us. So the kingdom is fully realized in the person of Jesus, the kingdom of God, even on the cross by a criminal. And um, and so, as it were, the 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 cross is a culmination pinnacle of the good news as to why Jesus came to be with us. Mm. The Emmanuel, God with us. And so I think also it lends us to saying for what, which kingdom are we working and living for? Because should the kingdom only make an impression on us when we are busy dying? Right now, what is the work of the kingdom in the crisis of COVID-19? Mm. 
How do we live the kingdom and proclaim the kingdom of mercy and forgiveness uh, in the light of a crisis such as this? And, and when we happen to, to go back to some form of normalist normalcy of life. So for what kingdom are we working? What are the values of the kingdom that we are choosing mm. that will bring hope to the hopeless. And do we even truly recognize that there is a kingdom? Yeah, well, if if we choose to not recognize there's a kingdom, then it means we are the kingdom. Mm. Um, that's the choice we have um, to serve the, 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 the kingdom of truth inclusion, forgiveness, and presence of holiness over against the kingdoms that you and I will, if we were to start the kingdom, what kind of kingdom would that look like? It would obviously be a kingdom that would be focused on us, and a kingdom focused on power, and, and a kingdom that is established to benefit us. Mm. Um, our human minds would I mean, there's too, too many examples of uh, people in power that create. Uh, I mean, we, we, we in the church, for example, um, when, when somebody who's a priest is, is dictatorial, then we would say it would seem as if he is, um, he's, he's, he's creating a king, he's a kingdom for himself. Yeah. And, um, dare anybody come up against him or her, they would be, <laughs> they would face the brunt of his, um, of his wrath. Mm. Um, and we also warned not to build kingdoms when we go and work in parishes. Why? Because it's easy to do it. I, I was going to do it ask you in, in the previous section, um, when you were talking about Jesus praying the, the prayer to Abba Father, the, um, how how do you experience being called father by people who you don't know? Just, I mean, it's a it's a it's a mark of your office. Um, but but like personally, how do you identify by being labeled as father by so many? I um, I try to understand it for myself, not as a title. Mm. Or a position, but a call to be responsible in caring for God's children individually and as community, um, and seek to therefore embrace them in the name of the true Father, um, whom we understand to be God is part of the beauty, the beautiful trinity, um, which is so beautifully captured in the grace that Paul gives us, the, the love of the Father, mm. the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the, of the Holy Spirit. So, so for me, even the term rever reverend and father, I, I do not I choose to not hold on to it as a, a position or a title 
but what is the responsibility mm. that's attached to, to that? So therefore, if somebody chooses to say to me, Rodney, I'm okay with that because I don't live with the title. Yeah. I live with the call, the vocation of caring for God's people in God's name. And, and, and so, um, uh, and, and, and one is, I'm very cautious about the title story because the title assumes power. Yeah. And not responsibility. And that's why I am, I'm not choosy. If somebody calls in my name, please do. That's my name. I wasn't mm. baptized father. <laughs> <laughs> Because look, the, the title the title is assumed by the 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 the, auth, the, the authorizing of your ministry yeah. through your ordination, you know. But in my baptism, my name came about by virtue of being baptized in the name of God. So yeah. it's about God's name rather than the title I'm assuming, which comes because of my my job. Mm. No, it's just it's just a, a thought that that was bugging me when we were discussing the the calling out to the father. I was Not like just trying to put myself in in the venerable Rodney's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, and none of those titles, I think, are uh, it, like you know, you know, if you if you're called by the title, then are you exemplifying the intention of that title? Mm. What is the what is the real essence of the title, the call of that title. Um, and I mean, in ordinary life, I would never call myself venerable. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a title I give myself. Either, I, and, and father by virtue of being biologically Tandy and Caitlin's dad. Yeah. You know, um, but it's the role I'm playing. It's the responsibility I'm taking. <clears throat> Excuse me, rather than being fixated on, you better call me this, otherwise I will not respond to you. That's, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can't hide behind the title. You know, that is why I think um, I consciously said to you uh, when, I, when, I, when I read that part, is Father Abba, yeah. Daddy God, mm. you know, in other words, as Desmond Tutu taught us to say. So, it is not a title to whom Jesus is speaking. Yeah. But the personification of <clears throat> who God is. But then both as revealed and and yet mystery. And then to relate it to, to this particular um, passage, it's interesting that the first um, person says like aren't you the Messiah and assigns a title to him where the other yeah. thief just called him Jesus and there was no titles in yeah. any of that yeah 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 and and the the name Jesus is is given and the understanding is that he shall sh shall save his people from their sins mm. that's what the meaning of Jesus is so shall I conclude this session yes. with the prayer let us pray Lord Jesus in your dying you heard both the mocking and the request to be remembered in your kingdom you were so deeply prayerful that you heard the request and tuned out the mocking. You gave assurance 
of not just remembering, but of inclusion in your kingdom in that very moment. Help us to be prayerfully tuned into God so that we may hear the deep requests for help rather than be riled by the mockery of the world. And I chose as the verse to sing <clears throat> after that um, it is a song, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. And then moving on to, it's a moment we've touched on in, in the liturgies leading up to, to this before, where Jesus speaks to his mother um, and grants her a new son. Yeah, we have, we have included that in our conversation. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Our reading from John 19, 25-27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to a woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, his disciple took her into his home. It is interesting as I read that now, Lindsay, that as we get closer to his dying, um, that one of the last stations now focuses around family care. Mm. And so when we look back and we see who all was part of the stations of the cross, we see a section of people, a community call to pray with him. We see a community that um, became so legalistic they, they brought him into the courts as being arrested and chained, who found him guilty mm. and who gave him a sentence. And then those who cruelly mocked him. And then we suddenly begin to see, as the as we get closer to the cross, a community of care. Mm. The help from Simon, the daughters of Jerusalem weeping. Um, we are struck again by the cruelty of the punishment. Mm. Then we see criminals, and now suddenly we are brought into where family becomes... Um, and I was interested to, to find that I haven't done this before when the narrative says his mother's sister. Now, I'm a bit confused. I was going to I'm raise sure. the same point. <laughs> <laughs> was, was his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas? Because tradition says they are, medieval tradition says they are three Marys. Yeah. And they were the daughters of Saint Anne. So, making 
Mary's sister or half-sister, the mother of Jesus. So somehow we must read it as three Marys and not four Marys. Okay. <laughs> um, from what I picked up. Yeah. Um, so not just his mommy, but an extended member of the family yeah. are also there. Um, I haven't checked yet whether Clopas was still alive, but but now we do know that Joseph had already gone into the year after. Mm. And of course, so a mother, an aunt, and that the woman who prepared his death yeah. out of gratitude um, for his salvation upon her life. His special friend, as we have highlighted. A very <laughs> special friend, yeah. Very special friend. Um, now, isn't it interesting that the closer we get to the cross, to the crucifixion, how women seem to embrace Jesus mm. uh, in these last um, moments. Um, and also the disciple whom he loved had a very special relationship with John. Um, that could have brought up some jealousy amongst the other disciples. But a decision had to be made. We don't know what happened to his brothers and sisters at the time. Mm. But we do know that he, entrust, he entrusted um, his mother with responsibility to care for a very close friend of his. He needed care. And he needed a mother's care. And he also then knew his mother needed to be cared for. Mm. And he then instructed his disciple um, to be the one that cares for him. And I mean, right now, for example, the challenge that was going out around COVID when across the globe there were suggestions that younger people thought that they would not Mm. be um, victims of, of the COVID-19 and um, um, sound-minded leaders were saying maybe you won't be one of the fertilities but if you are a carrier you become a danger to your family mm. so you have a responsibility to be careful and to follow what we are trying to, to help you to do and I think that is, um, that comes out here, again, the whole question of, you know, real care within the family. And right now, too, as we have to live in close proximity with each other for longer hours than we know or normally to how do we show care and love. We, we're having to get to know one another now mm -hmm. in ways that we perhaps take for granted. Because we're seeing more of one another. We're hearing more of one another. Yeah. Um, we, are, we are sharing the, each other's journey through this time in a more profound way than, than before. And the word there, a very simple word, is, it says, Here is your son. Here is your mother. Mm. He makes the connection that was far deeper than the biology that exists between people. 
the biological connections. Yeah. Uh, he was asking for a, quite an, um, a far deeper level of relationship and care uh, coming from the cross. And again, it relates very much to what the cross means, what the crucified Jesus means when he says these words. What's his intention? And again, he leaves the world. At that time, he left the world uh, in a responsible manner. He didn't blast the world off. Mm. He, he left it. Father, forgive them. I'm not going to leave this world not having uttered and breathed forgiveness into the air. And again, I'm not going to leave this world without taking responsibility that people will look after one another and see the importance thereof. Mm. So he was building community even when he was dying. A community of care and of love and celebrating um, the essence of family life. But there's also a more controversial um, modern interpretation of that story that I have um, come across and I kind of subscribe to as well because it's a, it's a, it's a lovely idea. Um, it centers around that, that John was the beloved disciple and there may have been, and I hope my glass house can survive all the stoning, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some conflict between Mary and John that Jesus then kind of smoothed over by granting them to each other, where he's kind of telling his, his mother that the love that you have for me can continue through loving John as your son and accepting, I'll just leave it there, accepting <laughs> the, the, the situation. Well, it, 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 it... The first thing that I would ask you would be, what would the evidence be of what you are saying? Mm. But, but an assumption could be built into to that, because we, we have to look deeper. Yeah. Uh, there is no evidence that I can think of immediately from the scriptural narrative that suggests there was tension between Mary and John. Yeah. I, I do know, that because I've read it recently, the tension that Peter had uh, um, uh, about John. Mm. Uh, that Jesus, he had asked Jesus, so what's going to happen to him? And Jesus says, uh, does, it, does it really matter to you? Mm. Keep following me. That's what you have to keep your eyes on. So it's, 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 I think we can read into um, interrelationships yeah. that there may, be, there may have been tensions because that's the nature of human relationships. Mm. But the, 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 the affirmation Jesus gives and um, almost the command, woman, here is your son, here is your mother, um, is to say, you know, get out of the rut of whatever it is you're in yeah. and start truly caring for one another. So on the grounds of is there evidence, um, that's where my question would be. On the <laughs> other, on other side, looking deeper at relationships, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I hope that wasn't too much of a brick thrown towards the glass house. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Shall we pray? Uh, yes. Lord Jesus, in your dying, you were still alert to the presence of your followers and their need for care and family. Please help us restore family unity and love through forgiveness of the pains experienced. And a favorite that is sung 
sometimes at funerals also the hymn that takes us to the next station father i place into your hands my friends and family mm. uh, which is one of the verses of that uh, known chorus beautiful chorus mm. and then moving on to the penultimate um where jesus dies and i mean of the of the seven sayings from the cross the classical seven sayings my early catechism classes are coming out strong now <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah i mean this is where we reach a very desperate place um for jesus before his ultimate uh victory over over death Jesus dies on the cross. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. The description of Jesus dying on the cross is reflected in Luke 23, 44-46. We are given the time of day. It was now about noon. We are given a description of what was happening in in the the um, movement of the day. Noon and darkness doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with each other because mm. normally noon would be the half of the day, half of the twelve hours. But we do experience dark clouds when it's raining, so it's not foreign to see a noon day, mm. noon time being a dark time. Came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining wow the curtain of the temple was torn in two jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i commit my spirit when he had said this he breathed his last We have to often, with the death of loved ones, carry the message across to those who still need to hear about the death. And we also say, so-and-so has died. Mm. But this says, Jesus died on the cross. So, in, in essence, it wasn't a natural It was very extraordinary death done on behalf of others. And the fact that his death is connected to something that happened in the atmosphere, something that happened in creation, the sun stops shining. I wonder just how dramatic that must have been Mm. the witnesses that the sun could stop shining i remembered um, words that were shared by martin luther king jr when speaking about the hardship of the oppression in the united states and as a religious leader and civil rights civil rights leader he had been asked to go and speak in one of the countries in south america because his message was so profound 
Mm. It was giving hope to, to hopeless and voiceless people. And he said they were standing waiting for the plane um, to board the plane so that he could go back home. But the plane was not allowed to, to move at that time simply because the clouds were so dense mm. and it was so dark it would be dangerous to, to go. Eventually they decided at the time that it, they could do that. He said, and as the plane soared up through the dark clouds, and you know what flying is through the clouds, the experience you get, the claustrophobia that you experience. And then as you get through to the top of the clouds, I mean, this is a, a phenomenal experience mm. I had when I was given an opportunity to fly. You get the bright sun and the blue sky, if it's daytime, shining. And he, that was an image to him of how um, even when the darkness is there, there is still hope beyond the darkness and I think that sort of for me gels with this so creation is touched stands still when the saviour dies but something dynamic happens within the temple that curtain which preserved the holy of holies from the mm. normal crowd and only allowed the priest to go in is torn in two so something that was happening in the religious um, community and in the mind of religious people that were, which had to be opened and only by a divine act could this happen mm. all this religious um, mumbo jumbo that we get added to make the faith more complicated than it is. Yeah. Um, where only the pastor knows everything, mm. which Jesus says is not true. All of us are now included in the mercy and grace of God. Um, no more secrets when it comes to religion. Mm. The ultimate has happened and Jesus' Jesus's death causes um, a magnitude of change. And um, so this is a very dynamic um, event. Um, death silences the person, but the death of Jesus speaks volumes throughout of creation. And through to eternity that gets the sun to pay attention, gets the veil in the in the temple to be divided and opened. But it's interesting that, that this specific station in the format that we have been following doesn't focus on the my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yeah, that because yeah, as I've always been taught and the journeys that I've been on through various uh, 
Stations of the Cross, like that has always been a very poignant moment for me because it kind of reveals the humanity that he has accepted. Experienced. Yeah. yeah. And Which on Monday, Thursday is deeply expressed when we say together Psalm 22 where the words, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Mm. Yeah, and, and it was, if, we, if we're doing the seven words on the cross, my God, my God, precedes the words to which this particular uh, station um, that we're doing today, in the format that we are doing it, yeah. suggests that even though he felt this sense of rejection, he's still ready to surrender. Mm the will of the Father, to uh, the, I commit my spirit, I commit my every breath, I surrender this for your purpose, Father, mm. I, I surrender it into your hands, from which, of course, our spirits come from the Father, and so death is the ultimate call of surrender mm. to God. Um, here was the new Adam not hiding when God asked for fellowship. Mm. Here was the new Adam saying, I give myself to you. I, I enter into communion with you. I become one with you um, but how do you and it's a how do you yes? frame that within the idea of the of the holy trinity where it's considered that all three are the same yes yes um, i mean obviously the trinity is uh, it'd be interesting to know what you learned in your confirmation years about the trinity because it's just so unexplainable mm. in many, many ways. But um, I remember a colleague of mine saying when uh, he told the story of how a, a priest was preaching on the Trinity, whenever he mentioned the word Trinity, there was somebody who was living on the streets but attended church, mm. and uh, she, she sadly was also alcoholic. But whenever he said Trinity, she would say, Father, it's a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so her understanding was all sides the same, all angle, ang angles mm. are equal. I think for me, and again, this is just how I understand it to be. It is this whole question of how does God choose to reveal himself to in ways that we can a little bit capture who God is. And that the Trinity suggests something more deeper than the monotheistic belief. The, the Trinity suggests that God is community mm. rather than just one single isolated. That within God there's community. Because God is community. And our God has chosen to reveal himself in ways that we could understand. Like, And so 
and so if if one were to be um, very um, uh, a publicist, one could say in those in 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 that verse is kept Jesus. He's the the Father and the Spirit of Jesus. Mm. If you look at verse forty three, and so. The Father is the one um, who gives life and calls to mission. And Jesus now is the one who pleased the Father as the beloved Son in doing His will. But Jesus does that in the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit which is life. And so Jesus could say to in some of the teachings to his disciples, I've come so that you may have life and life in all abundance. Mm. So the so it teaches us about the community, but it also teaches us about how God works in community for the benefit of, of his creation. Uh, but of course, all of this falls short of the actual understanding of who God is. Mm. And 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 um, I remembered being asked by one of the bishops that um, was around when I was doing my final year at seminary and uh, preparing to write the exams, and he sat me down and had one on one with all of us, and he said to me, "Do you believe in the Trinity?" Now, do you believe in God who is creator? I said, I believe, but I cannot fully understand. Mm. He went through the Son and he went through the Holy Spirit and through the Trinity, and I said the same answer in every, what's his name? I reflect back on that and saying, you know, I'm a naive 23-year-old mm. who's just about had two years, two, just over two years of theological study and a very short journey of life, and here was a man or who was a bishop mm. who had come to ask me these uh, questions. But the but the wisdom I thank God for was the answer, the responses I could give. Because I reflect upon that and realized the little I know um, the simplicity of my answer reflects the little I know, and yet the fact that I do know that what I'm dealing with is far more mystery than even the revelation that has been given that we could perhaps try to understand, but we don't fully understand. Mm. We cannot fully understand. Um, and I think here, yeah, the, 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 what Jesus teaches us from from the soil of the earth is how we are able to enter into this deepening sense of community as we approach God in acknowledgement of Him as the one who gave us life, Abba, Abba, Father, um, who's very much connected to our human struggles, even when we are dying and have died. 
Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. And I think it closes off that <laughs> that station quite nicely. So let's pray, uh, Lindsay. Lord Jesus, in your death, you breathed prayer of surrender to the Father. Help us to live lives of prayerful acknowledgement to the Father, of having the Father's name on our prayer, of learning how to die when death comes, to die prayerfully and in total surrender to the Father and the community of the Father. And a favorite hymn that um, came up when I was dealing with this is all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Mm. And people sing this normally with um, great aplomb of gratitude that ultimately that is what life is, surrendering. Mm. And then moving into the final station of the 14 that we have been journeying through where Jesus is then removed from the cross and taken and placed in the tomb. Um, it's always interesting to me that there was just this random guy who had a tomb and was like, yeah, cool, you can you can put Jesus in there. Um, if you can just more, more solemnly take us through that idea. <laughs> we adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. Jesus is placed in the tomb, and the record of this, Matthew 27, verse 57 to 60, as evening approached, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. And going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went I wondered when I read this, um, what was the relationship between Pilate and Joseph? That Pilate could so easily, it seems, to have given him the body of Jesus. Mm. For being a rich man, he would have been noticed because rich people are noticed. And they were influential in, um, in the community and rulers often associate themselves with them because of what they can get out of them. Mm. So it would seem as if Joseph of Arimathea seemed to have some kind of clout with Pilate. But he also had courage to say, to say give me the body of Jesus. Mm. Um, why would he suddenly appear? So quite obviously, Pilate must have known him and perhaps even trusted him. Um, because who else was coming to collect the body? Mm. 
Would the disciples do that? Were they able to? Would his mother? Uh, was this part of the community uh, that Joseph was now a disciple of Jesus and so they discuss him? Jesus, it would seem, dies without an insurance policy, without a burial policy, mm. without a known gravesite. These are some of the things you and I worry about. Um, and it's true, he said this. He said this in his teachings. His foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. Yeah. He claimed, he claimed nothing for himself. Not even a piece of land where his body could be housed in. Nothing. Mm. Um, did, he, did he ever have a conversation with Joseph that said to Joseph, look, when I die, make sure that I'm buried. Mm. We don't have evidence of such conversations. Obviously, it would seem as if Joseph seemed to have had some, as a disciple of Jesus, ensured that he was going to offer the best he could for Jesus in Jesus' death. I have mm. no clue whether he understood the resurrection at that point. Uh, all we know is that Joseph had the courage to ask for Jesus' body. It could have got him into lots of trouble. Mm. But I suppose now that he was dead, you know, what's the body going to do? You know, yeah. Those that wanted him dead, they got what they wanted. The, the body now meant nothing to and then you look at how Joseph cares and also his generosity. Okay, he was rich enough to be as generous as he would because the tomb was recently cut out of the rock. Mm. And it indicates it was his own. So he was preparing for his death. This was going to be his burial site. Um and he must have had help because I don't think you can roll a big stone in front of the entrance without help. But so Joseph comes to play this very caring role. You know, I mean, people say that we are vulnerable when we are born, and we are vulnerable when we die. Mm. It's a loving community that will in 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 embrace us in our vulnerability. Yeah. And Jesus was not afraid to be vulnerable. Um, and um, again, you know, the generosity of God to us as human beings in this um, Via Dolorosa mm -hmm. of Jesus is that each of us play not only the part of the sinner for whom Jesus died, we also are included in his saving work, mm. the ultimate work of the cross. That in that process, people stood up and, and they were counted. Um, because God doesn't want to save us to the exclusion of us being part of the saving work. 
we are therefore agents of become agents through the spirit of of his saving work and his work of liberation mm. to all of humanity and to all of creation and so even unwittingly we are part of it both the the, the burden of the cross but also the victory of the cross yeah and it's undeservedly though mm. undeservedly it's interesting like this is also another point where john separates himself from the synoptic gospels um where he mentions nicodemus who then assisted he does make mention of joseph as a member of the sanhedrin who then purchased the shroud and then assisted in them where there's yeah like matthew's the only one who alludes to the fact that it was joseph's tomb yes yeah so it's always been like a confusion as as i um probably revealed in earlier episodes i i'm quite a big fan of of the gospel of john yes 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 i think again yeah why would they have used certain parts of a tradition mm. depending again on the community from which they drew those traditions those stories and and that certain people would have featured more so for for Matthew Joseph of Arimathea um a man who was also part of the council mm. uh um has become somebody who was not just was not part of the council of judgment over Jesus mm. But as a disciple now, he lived out his act. It was a very courageous thing that he had done. And so Matthew writing to a Hebrew people shows and reveals how somebody from, from the highest echelon mm. actually embraced Jesus. And what is that saying to ordinary Jews? But what is it also saying to Jews of the higher echelon? Mm. those that held so closely onto the law if one of their own is able to embrace the law and still be a disciple of Jesus and be a disciple of Jesus and still embrace the law so so there's a witness for you Matthew says yeah how do you respond hmm. yeah and i feel that's a quite fitting conclusion to to this journey we have been on um would you please take us through the prayer and then we can just kind of have our final words on the entire body that 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 we've we've gone through over these three sections thanks lindsay as i pray i recall the inspiring words of paul that are normally uttered at a funeral service death where is your sting grave where is your victory lord jesus in your death you breathed prayer of surrender to the father help us to remember that the life in us comes from you 
and when we are placed in our graves, help us to know that our spirits are surrendered to you. For you made us for yourself. And we are able to find ourselves in you eternally. And so we continue to pray in this time of COVID-19, author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trials. Give us wisdom to find relief. Give us faith to live responsibly and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. So for me, these, this journey has been about, especially at this time where a lot of people would be looking for Christ within this experience that we are all going through. Um, the stations of, of the cross that we have, we have covered, for me, always comes back to kind of questioning who Jesus believed he was. Because... Like I always have the, have the have the question in my mind like did Jesus know he was the son of God like did he believe that in his heart and did he identify with that and then throughout the ordeal that he goes through in his in the lead up to the crucifixion there's all these questions of like who are you and where do you come from and why don't you show us your abilities um I I don't know if if you can speak to that that idea yeah Definitely, I think that as um, in doing the Stations of the Cross in the way that, that I've done it this year with you has certainly highlighted that as the main, um, uh, the main theme. Uh, uh, who is Jesus? And it's a question we constantly wrestle with in the light of who is God. Um, so, for example, now... We are asking the question, who is God at a time of COVID-19? When what we are seeing and hearing with our eyes and our ears are people trying to find solutions, are people trying to find measures to curb what this virus is doing globally. And we are asking, who is God and where is God? And so Jesus, um, right from the time of his baptism into the temptation, the baptism is the affirmation of who Jesus is. Then he's challenged about the affirmation of who he really is. And then he enacts who he is by what he preaches and what he lives and the community forms around him. And by the miracles that he did in his, in his time. And all the time, those that are journeying with him, those who are just following him, and those who are observing him, uh, who often question him when he says certain things, is, who are you really? Mm. When you say the things you say, because people are amazed. Um, and, and that's 
our search for gospel, our search for good news in our time, the gospels revealed to us, scripture reveals to us, is in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God with us. And, and so we continue in our own experiences every day we ask the question, who is God? And we are helped to answer it when um, we do that significant prayer that combines all of us together. Um, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus saying to the disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray, he said to them, to them, he said, say, our Father. So that you can actually pray personally identify who God is to you um, as the one who is who gives you the life and made you um, to be his creation and so the our father helps us to wrestle with the question who who is God and and to daily begin to struggle with that through prayer. Right? One of the words that I kept picking up that Jesus mentioned, that Jesus is praying on, on the cross was, he kept saying, Father, 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 Abba, Abba, Father. Uh, that very prayer he taught to the disciples. In death, in dying, in pain, who was Jesus identifying God as? mentioning it. So we are alerted to our own experience and saying, because our own experience conjure up the question, mm. who is God? And we, even though we, we have like Peter had the profound discovery, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was his testimony in Mark chapter 8, 27. Jesus says, that's a revelation to God has made it known to you. It's not something you discover on your own. So is our faith dependent, therefore, on the revelation that God has given to us? And our deepening reflection and response to the revelation, which is no, no, other, no other one could do it than who Jesus is. Mm. So who Jesus is going right to the cross continues to reveal who the Father is to us. Who is, the, who is God when Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit? That very, and then breathe this last, that last breath, which is the first breath when we are, when we are, 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 are created. Mm. So, so, so who is God? He is the one who created life right at the beginning. He's the one to whom life returns to right at the end and into eternity. So I don't think that faith is about a struggle only of trying to be good and to do good things. That will come as we wrestle with who do people say that I am? 
who do you say that I am? What has been made known to you? And how you wrestle with that reality? And in the Stations of the Cross, Jesus shows us how constantly close he, God was to him and how he was to God, even when he went through the darkest moment of his life. In the time when the sun stopped, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Um, and be the last. So I think that's the, the, the essence of, of our faith journey, that inevitable question, who is God? Mm. Um, and, and, and perhaps uh, the best um, um, way that I can say we go and, and think about more, more seriously is Psalm 8, um, where, the, where the psalmist asks that question. Uh, Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him? Mm. So if we try to understand who man is, that God was mindful of him, then who is God? And that in there, God, it, uh, the psalmist says, you made him a little lower than the angels. So if we discover what, what, are, what are we, we, can, we cannot discover that without realizing who God is, or coming to, to wrestle with who God is. Mm -hmm. And I think, like Psalm, the Psalms wrestled with who God is, as a faith, a part of their faith journey. I've, I've taken you uh, right around the peninsula with a question now, my response, I do apologize. No worries. But it's not an easy, easy one to put into words. But it is the question we wrestle with. And I think that is a fitting conclusion to this journey. And obviously there'll be more to come with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and the celebration that is Easter. Yeah, and then I, and then I just want to, with you, conclude that um, when we sing the, the the hymn that I chose to end of each of the of these sessions mm. with the stations, what's the hymn writer calling us to? Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. So who is the Going back to the question you asked, mm. be still my soul, your God will undertake. So if he will undertake, then who is God? Uh, be still my soul, when dearest friends depart, so when you lose people in your life, who is God? Be still my soul, the hour is hastening on. Hastening on. So we, 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 we're journeying towards that hour when our lives will come to an earthly end mm. who is God at that moment so so in the stillness of my soul not not in the anxiety that comes to us the stillness so be still my soul is a challenge for us to really that's what the journey of of the station is this real silence um, depth of quietness within us mm. to be able to wrestle with the magnitude of this mystery Shall I do the blessing? Yes. Blessed are you, our Lord, O Lord our God, King of the universe. You have enriched our lives with every good and perfect gift. You have commanded us to show 
your splendor to your children and to praise you with lives of love, justice and joy. Accept these stations of the cross which we offer in thanksgiving. As we look upon them and walk Christ's way of the cross, may our hearts be drawn to you who leads us with his triumphal banner of salvation. Bring us all at length to your perfect kingdom where you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now 